faces vomit comment. Perfect. Okay, so uh, welcome to Something to Drink About. My name is Alex Van Amberg. I'm a certified sommelier with the Court of Master Sommeliers and a certified specialist of wine with the Society of Wine Educators. And I'm Christy Collins. I am Alex's wife, and I am a mom of three and a yoga teacher. That is all very true. Thank you for saying that I am a truthful person. You are a true person. You're awesome. So we've I don't got to know do this if part. I'm I'm true, but I'm not truthful. Is it really? Yeah. You just cut me off. Sorry. <laughs> anyway, so um, if you've never listened in at something to drink about before, welcome to our podcast. Uh, it's uh, exciting and fun. The idea is we want to make wine fun and not frightening. We're trying to take that that fear that people have about wine and just make drinking wine a casual, enjoyable experience. But we also want to take and, and kind of walk you through the steps of so you feel more like you know what you're doing with it. So the idea is that I'm a psalm. I know something about wine. And Christy, uh, who despite all my babbling, knows very little about wine. And so we kind of go through a wine together. We talk about it and we see where the story takes us. So we have a wine in our glass today. And Christy, would you like to talk about the color of the wine? Well, it is a it is not a red wine, but I wouldn't call this white. Uh, okay. It is definitely a deep... 70s gold color like a harvest gold color okay you know how the stoves had they were either avocado green or harvest gold in all the apartments in the 70s dad's apartments yeah divorced dads yeah so i think that my dad had a stove that was this color harvest gold okay from the 70s all right this i mean this is definitely a a a medium to deep golden color it's deep and um, well, I've seen deeper, so it's it's relative because I haven't seen deeper, uh, and that's why I'm saying that. That's why I'm trying to give you a little <laughs> feedback here and say that it is relative because it, 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 wines can 15 get fifteen wines that I have dissected, right? Have not been this dark ever. Okay, for a quote unquote white wine, this is a very uh, robust golden color. Yes, there's so much I want to say about it, but I suppose you could cut it out, right? Can I go ahead and say it? So this is like I didn't drink enough water and waited to pee all day color. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) This has a rich urine color to it. (laughs) Is that a tell? Not where we really wanted to go with that, but okay, sure. Okay, well, you can cut it out. Well, okay, so gold is a very specific color. And if you look at a golden ring, there is a yellowish tint to gold. But this also has a yellow color to it, which I think is interesting. It's like like a deep yellow. Or Uh, wheat. Or uh, wheat is again golden, um, but not quite as yellow from when I've seen it before. But this is this is I mean this is kind of an exciting color because you're right it is a very rich color compared to a lot of the other colors we've seen, especially for white wines. Mm-hmm. A lot of white wines are are translucent, pale. Um, they resist color, and uh, and if they do pick up color, that color usually tends to be very very light and in the pale yellow spectrum. This is much more golden and robust. Yes. So, uh, let's, uh, let's go ahead and take a sniff and see what the smell okay. tells us. Really? Yeah. Already? So, well, the basics of, of, of adjusting or, or not adjusting, the basics of assessing a wine kind of work in the five S's. You see it first and the sight will tell you something. You sniff it and the smell will tell you something. You sip it and then you savor it and then you spit it or swallow it. So I call it the five S's. It's, it's a basic breakdown of the basic tasting format. So we've looked at the wine, kind of looked at the color. And what the color is telling us, is, oh, we forgot to mention, that the color is consistent throughout. It does become clearer towards the edge and lighter towards the edge, but it isn't. the wine isn't going brown and it's not fading 
excessively. I mean, there is a, it is, um, it is, does get uh, fairly light towards the edge. It but does I, get light. It's really pretty that way. And I think that has more to do with the, the, um, just the thinness of it than, uh, you know, what you're looking through. So, mm-hmm. but the okay. heart of it is very gold and very rich. So to me, that means that this wine, um, has not aged, not been exposed to a lot of oxygen. It's very, um, it, it's, it's not getting, it's not moving into brown yet. Okay. Wines, when, white wines, when they get old, they turn brown. Oh. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> smell. What's Esther doing today? Okay. This is so easy. Thank you. So first of all, Esther's strong. It's she so is a, easy. So you're saying Esther is easy today? Esther is easy today. Please. She's also... <laughs> <laughs> very easy for a 40 spin-up girl. Okay. She's also a very strong swimmer mm-hmm. and there's lots of her. She's she's got some clones, a lot of clones that are jumping up and diving back down. Which is Christie's way of saying that the smell is very robust. Yeah. It's, it's a very powerful, very it's a, or as the court would say, this is a highly aromatic wine. It is highly aromatic and I smell cantaloupe oak spicy um definitely vanilla sugar cookie how am i doing these are all from my own brain okay i didn't look at your little poster you didn't look at my little poster that's funny so um you're doing good those are all great words um what i'm uh, i'll tell you what i'm smelling is canned lychee oh my god did I ever tell you about the bar that I worked in that was like this huge failure of a bar? It was out at the very end of Melrose in L.A. And I used to have to put together lychee fruits with vodka and gosh, that might have been it. And then it had to sit for a week and they were these lychee martinis that were so good. This smells exactly like lychee. It has that lychee and yeah, because you do lychee infusions. Yes, and then all People my still doing infusions like that. I think barrel aged cocktails are the thing now. Go instead of out infusions. anymore. I have three children. <laughs> yeah, that does and cut down a on your dog drinking time. and a lizard. <laughs> so I don't know what they're doing out there. Plus, Spokane's probably doing it because they're a little behind the times. Well, have you noticed that? Have you noticed like what's happening in LA and New York happens, and then like five years later, it translates up the coast on each side, and then it begins to move in. To middle America is yeah. what seems to happen. And, and I've never lived in Chicago. So it may be that Chicago is another one of those starting points. It, it is a starting point. Like Chicago, Dallas are also major hubs. So I guess it right. would be fair to say these major cultural hubs, something happens there. And then five years later, it moves out of it that cultural out. hub, ebbs out. And then 10 years later, it starts to hit all the hinterlands. But we are in a little bit of banjo land here. We are definitely and in. So it's still pastoral, still farm. Great place to raise kids. Love it. Love everything about Spokane, except maybe all of this snow this year. But aside from Whatever that, they're doing in cocktail bars is not that's happening here yet. <laughs> they're not doing lychee infusions in the cocktail bars here yet. And that was, when did I work at that place? That was 15 20 years, ago. years ago? No, I think it was 15. Our oldest boy is 13, so. 18 years ago. Okay. I can't go 20 yet. Okay, fair enough. Okay, thanks. Yeah, time compresses at this point. 
So, uh, so what you're smelling? You're smelling like vanilla cookie. Uh, I was getting lychee. There's cantaloupe, melon, um, tropical fruits, tropical melon. Yeah, lots of lots of tropical uh, going on in there. Lots like of fresh mango. Mm-hmm. Is there any spice with uh, the rind? Mango mm-hmm. rind. You know how you like accidentally chew on the rind that it smells like that. And behind all that sweet tropical fruit, behind that canned lychee syrup, there is um, there's elements of of spice as well. That you can yeah. smell in the nose. There's, there's... I said that. Yeah, totally. totally said Did you that. hear me say that? I was busy thinking. I'm I can't... so smart. All right. So this is a very exciting um, nose. There's a lot going on with it. It's very full. It's very rich. Um, and there's, there's, it's, it's. Do you it... see what an ego I get when I like. Get something right? Yeah. I do. It's like an immediate ego. Uh-huh. From I don't know and I'm so nervous to everybody knows to... that idiot. <laughs> My heart beating, <laughs> thinking I'm never going to get this right to look at me. It's amazing. But you know, that ego gets popped really quickly too. Just saying. All right, let's move on to the third. Oh, let's sip fine. it. Sip. Can you just edit that fine out? I didn't like it. it made me feel like too bitchy. Too bitchy. <laughs> A certain amount of bitchy is fine, <laughs> but too bitchy is too much. Okay, there's rules in my head. Well, so it, it's we, not as sweet as it. It doesn't taste as sweet as it smells. The the nose is certainly leads you to believe that you're going to be drinking melon juice. I thought you were going to give me one of those syrupy ugh, dessert wines. Mm-hmm. The Which color, is fine. I'll probably love it. Okay. Well, the color is indicative of that as well. It does look like, if you've ever seen like a rich sauterne or an ice wine. WTF. Okay. This is so good. This is really a good <laughs> wine. So, um, yeah. So what are you tasting on the palate? I mean, we, okay. So we know it's good. So what are you tasting? Because it's, it's, like it's not overwhelmingly sweet. Pineapple wine or um, it tastes like I'm in Hawaii. But not that, not like hubba bubba mm-hmm. pineapple. Well, it's got a, a good acidity to it. So it's, yes. it's got a cleansing acidity to it. There is that sweetness, but it's very balanced by the acidity. There's a good medium plus alcohol on this one. So it's got, I mean, there's heat in the chest when you swallow mm-hmm. it. So it's got good alcohol as well. So those three things are very much in harmony. The sweetness, the acidity, and the alcohol. And that's really what you're looking for for a good wine is whether or not those three elements are balanced. Okay. It makes me want to take the kids to Hawaii. It makes me want to get my ukulele mm-hmm. for my birthday. Your, your, your pink and birthday ukulele. I want to sing. So I'm going to learn a little little mantra uh-huh. on my ukulele. And I'm going to sing this mantra to this wine because this is now my new favorite wine of all time. Can we call it the yoga yogalele? The yogalele? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Can I just say that we did mantra to ukulele again today? And my yoga teacher pulled out this ukulele and I thought it was, I thought it was odd. I'm like, how do you do a mantra like a, oh, ma, right? How do you do that with a ukulele? And then it was like, it suddenly, like nobody wants to om, right? Okay. Maybe after yoga, you want to om, but (laughs) we're in there all day. We're learning all these amazing things. We're breaking down triangle and then she breaks out the ukulele and it's like the happiest song. It's just, it's called mantra because it's something nice that you want to happen in your life or you're saying these beautiful words with these great vibrations so that 
your body feels better and your brain feels better and it just music makes you happy and then with the ukulele you're giving me the eye like i'm talking too long it was brilliant so you're saying that you did mantras to ukulele in your yoga class today yes and i'm saying that this wine tastes as happy as that ukulele made me and ukuleles you know they're reminiscent of hawaii in the 70s for me because we used to, as kids, play ukulele on the beach, right? When my dad would win a trip for Good che- or Colin Chevrolet, not Good Chevrolet. Anyway, too much information. I even know that. <laughs> and that's saying something. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like the sunset. It tastes like a warm Hawaii night with your friends playing the ukulele. Okay. As a child. Well, you must no. have had a lot more fun in the 70s than I I have did. a big imagination. <laughs> I can grow up in my childhood dreams and imagine that I'm with grown-ups. Okay. So um, getting back to the wine, uh, not I that didn't... I haven't enjoyed the, okay. the five-minute discourse on <laughs> ukuleles and yoga, but <laughs> so getting back to the wine. So it's actually a lot leaner than the nose would lead you to believe. The, the nose is almost cloying with that. that it is cloying. That rich, uh, cloying. leachy. What does cloying mean? Cloying it means overly like a... sweet and smothering. Oh, I was going to say it sounds like a romance novel word. Also cloying, yes. Like Romance a, uh... novels can be. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but on the on the palate, it's clean. It's it's rich. Um, it's le- hello. What happened? Hello. Are you okay? Okay. Okay. Go. No. <laughs> it's weird having to turn away from the mic when I laugh because then I can't look at you. You could turn the other way. <laughs> I suppose I could. <laughs> Ah uh, yes. So um so cloying. on the palate cloying. The wine is not cloying. Oh, it's not cloying. It's mildly sweet, um, but it, it's it's also very dry. It's got a great acidity to it. It's got a great medium body in that it's not too overwhelmingly viscous, it's not too lean, um, it's it's it it's rich and it has a great follow through and it just lingers for a long time in your mouth. So this is a great wine. I want this under my birthday tree with my ukulele. Okay. Now you have a birthday tree? <laughs> well, I don't know. I can't say Christmas tree because... <laughs> I'm dreaming of a ukulele birthday. Just, what, oh, birthday tree, oh, birthday tree. Yeah. <laughs> birthday tree. So let's talk about what the wine actually is. Do you have any guesses on what you think the wine might be? Have you ever experienced a wine quite like this before? Never. Okay. I have no clue. I mean, the closest I would say is a Chardonnay, but it doesn't um, it doesn't taste like a Chardonnay I've had. So what makes it similar to a Chardonnay for you, then? Well, I guess Chardonnays aren't as uh, crisp and it's thicker. Okay. Like Chardonnays are, to me, are usually a little bit thicker. Okay. That's it. That's all I got for you. Okay. I don't have anything else. Don't look at me like, what else are you going to say? Nothing. I got nothing. nothing. It's just thick. The brain's this dead. This wine is not as, it's wine, it's not whiny like whiny about, the other wine. I could talk about yoga school again. But. And Hawaii, I'm sure. <laughs> so the, uh, well, okay. So this, um, the, the, the very aromatic characteristics um, are, for people familiar with it, are probably a giveaway because this is a Gewürztraminer. 
Oh. It's a great word. So it's an Alsatian Gewurztraminer too. Um, Wait, say that word again. Alsatian Gewurztraminer. Gewurztraminer or Gewurztraminer? Gewurztraminer. Oh, Gewurztraminer. Mm-hmm. I have a, sorry, I popped my S's there. And I, you know, honestly, I used to remember, and I can hear it in my head, but I don't know exactly what it is. But Traminer means a type of grape, I believe. And Gewurz refers to something else. And I, I wish I knew what the, the etymology of the word was. I'll have to write it on our Facebook page. Google. Because I can't remember. But the cool thing is, is that this is a grape that's not grown in a lot of places anymore. Uh, but it is absolutely prolific in the Alsatian Valley. And Als- Alsace, the Alsatian Valley in France, is about 300 miles hear to hear the... me holding my breath? Uh-huh. Is about 300. You just have to wait. I'll get there. And then if I don't get there, you can ask. Okay. So the Alsatian Valley is about 300 miles to the east of Paris. And it is the second northernmost growing climate in all of France. It's right on the German border. And we've talked a little bit about Alsace before um, briefly. And what makes Alsace uh, so interesting is that a lot of times it's actually traded hands with Germany. It's close proximity to Germany, or I guess the Bohemian states, um, has caused it to trade hands between French and German uh, nationalities. So there is um, there is a, a real blending of winemaking traditions there as well. So the Germans tend to be very uh, didactic and very specific in how they achieve things. The, the French tend to be uh, much more emotive and much more emotional about how they create things. They both, however, share a love of creating rules and following rules. So when it comes to wine, uh, this entire valley has thrived because of that. Kind of like me. Creating rules and then following them, and then following them, very didactic. I think you're actually a little more process oriented. Let's say you're a little more Italian. You like to create rules <laughs> and then argue about them, <laughs> and then probably do whatever you want to do anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Italian. <laughs> Well, I was listening to another wine podcast the other day, and someone said that the French were very good about creating rules and then complaining about them but following them. And the Spanish were very good about creating rules and then pretending that never happened. Uh, And the Italians were very good about creating rules then arguing about them until they created another set of rules and then creating another set of rules and arguing about those. And so they'll make the rules. They just don't want to follow them, so they'll argue about them. So there's there's these very very broad statements, of course. But um, Whereas the Germans more, more or less create rules and then absolutely follow them. That's okay. just not nice. Well, no, because if you look about the history of... Okay, not nice. Anyway, we'll edit out the German thing. Okay. <laughs> Domain Zindhumbrecht, 2014 Gewurztraminer. So Zindhumbrecht um, is actually... Uh, it's not one name. It's actually two names because they're two families that came together to bring together their winemaking expertise and their different vineyards. And Zind was one of the families and Humbrecht was the other. So Zind and Humbrecht, not traditional French last names, but a French wine-making region, a French wine-growing country. And it's a very long, narrow valley that moves from north to south. And on the one side where the rain comes sweeping in across the continent is the Vosges. Vosges? Is it on the water? It's these mountains. And it's spelt V-O-S-G-N-E-S. Spelt or spelled? Spelt. Spelled. Spelt. So anyway, these mountains exist there and I can never, I, I, they're pronounced entirely different than how they're written. And so I call them the Vosges Mountains in my head and that's what came out of my face. And I don't think that's actually how they're pronounced. 
which is embarrassing. Yay! Um, so, but this you had they, a Christie moment. They create a rain shadow effect over this valley. So this valley, even though it's the second most northern region of growing in France, also does not experience um, the extremes of temperature or the extremes of weather. So they, they can grow exceptional grapes there, despite their northerly um, bent. Now, the really awesome thing about um, about the growing area there is they grow exceptional Rieslings. They grow exceptional Pinot Gris. They do a Cremant Alsace, which is a sparkling wine that they do as well using Pinot Gris and Chardonnay. They also grow a little bit of red wine, but not much. But um, just amazing. But Gewürztraminer has been something that's kind of defined them for quite some time. And it's just amazing. It's A lot of people tend to think of the Gewürztraminer because of the really sweet nose as being a sweet wine. Mm-hmm. And it's not. Mm-mm. I mean, can you, I wish we had some cheese or some nuts mm. to have with this because this is a food wine. This is a dinner food wine. Oh, yeah. And it's tropicality, um, it, it's, it's, but it's bright acidity, it's richness. I mean, this wine is five years old now. And it lingers on your palate, so mm-hmm. you still taste it after you swallow it. Can I just say this really quickly? Gewurztraminer, mm-hmm. the etymology of the word, because I looked it up. It did. Um... It means spice traminer or perfumed traminer. Good words is spiced or perfumed. That's right. That's so cool. That just goes with Esther. Right? You know that she wore a good perfume after she got out of that chlorinated pool. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can get Google to get, tell us how to pronounce this. Vosges. Okay. Vosges. The Vosges Mountains. Oh, oh, that's so cool. Okay. So it's the Vosges Mountains, not Vosges. that's that's a problem okay so people there's actually i read this quote the other day people who read a lot mispronounce words far more often than people who watch a lot of tv or listen to a lot of radio and then they just can't spell them Mm -hmm. so that's the difference in a lot of times which which camp do you think i'm in uh yeah i say i'm definitely in a over reading under pronouncing right (laughs) maybe i'm the under reading under pronouncing i would call you linguistically strong (laughs) you are very good at pronouncing things (laughs) Let's get back to the Vosges Mountains. (laughs) Which create a rain shadow effect, which allow for the growing of these cooler climate grapes in this long, narrow valley. (laughs) That frequently sees an exchange of hands between German and French overlordship. Excellent. Very much so. So um, also the style of bottle that it's in is worth mentioning. Um, So most of the wines we've tried so far have been in what you could consider a Burgundian style bottle. Um, It is a a wider base with a long sloping shoulder that comes down. Very much what you think of like a Chardonnay bottle. Uh, There's another style of bottle called the Bordeaux bottle. And it's longer, narrower, and it has a very sharp shoulder up at the top. Um, And that's what you think of as a cab or a Merlot coming in. Mm -hmm. But coming out of the Alsatian Valley uh, is a certain style of bottle that it shares with the Germans. The Germans always put it in the Riesling into it. The Alsatians put most of their wines into it regardless of what the wine is. It's very much a bottle of style from the place. And it is a longer, taller, thinner, narrower bottle with a long sloping shoulder. And if you think of Chateau St. Michel's Riesling, it shares that bottle shape because it's the bottle shape itself indicates visually it's probably going to be a bright, crisp, dry white wine in there. Mm. It also looks like the bottle has really good posture. Yes. Just saying. <laughs> Alrighty then. That's excellent. Thanks. Because of the age of the Alsatian Valley too, most of these grapes were coming off of vines that are probably over 40 years old. Um, mm. Vines that are older have, um, they have to work harder to create good fruit so the fruit usually has more intensity it's not as it's not as excitable 
Uh, vines actually follow a similar growth pattern to humans in that way. In our youth, we're just, we're not doing much. We're kind of rambling around for the first few years. And then in our, in our pubescence, suddenly we just can't wait to reproduce. And we're shooting off vines and leaves and fruit in all directions and require a strong hand to manage us. And then as we settle down, um, we're productive in our, in our, in our, you know, for vines, we're productive in our, in our fives to our fifteens. And that's when our most productive time comes. And then when you get past about 15 to 18 years with the vines, they settle into this reluctant productivity where they continue just grinding forward, but the work they do produce, the grapes they do produce are generally much higher quality. So the older the vines is, they don't produce as much, but what they do produce is usually a much higher quality. Hmm. So, so you're saying that I'm in a reluctant productive stage right now? It's in my it, life cycle. I would not direct that at you personally at all, because at the end of the day, when this podcast <laughs> is over, I still have to live with you. So <laughs> I, I think that though, I think that there is, I remember the, the youthful audacity I used to have in my teens and twenties mm-hmm. where I just was firing in all directions. I was all enthusiasm and no skill. And, um, and, and it took maturing with age to kind of bring that into focus, shall mm-hmm. we say. Yeah. And, uh, so I feel like I'm at a, at a point in my life now where I'm, I'm hopefully bringing focus and skill and in energy. To oh, my definitely. Work. So that's, and good. you're saying that the, these grapes are more focused. Exactly. And so They're you're, you're really not getting delicious. tons of grapes. You're getting a specific amount of grapes and it, it creates a very dedicated wine with a very deliberate style. So I love the wines from the Alsatian Valley. I love the Rieslings, the Gewurztraminers. These are all food wines. The acidity in these things, because of the cool climate they grow in, uh, they, these are amazing food wines. And so this is another area on my bucket list where I really want to go and just go from village to village mm-hmm. and eat and drink and experience. And just a, such an exciting idea to go and spend this time there because you don't hear a lot about it. Because everyone's focused on Burgundy or Bordeaux. Or they're focused on getting down to the Mediterranean and getting down into the Provence. Um, well, oddly enough, that restaurant I was talking about earlier was a French restaurant. And that was my first very frightening experience with wine where I had to learn the entire wine list. And it was two pages. And we're talking nine by 11, mm-hmm. two pages. And then to go get a wine for a client was one of the most frightening things I've ever done because I had to find it. And if the owner was there, I had to find it in under like three minutes. It was never a busy restaurant, so that wasn't the problem. But he wanted us to know the wines, yet the wine education was so overwhelming, and it was all based on memorization. But I do remember this. I do remember something about the Alsace Valley because there were a couple wines I would memorize because I knew their bottle types, Mm -hmm. and their bottle types were different enough that I could locate them and... Uh, recommend them. And so one of the Alsace Valley uh, wines was something that I would recommend. Awesome. I think that was the white and then I recommended a red. Well, it's, you know, in, in this bottle style is very recognizable. It's one of the reasons why I think Chateau Saint-Michel Riesling did so well because they utilize that same bottle shape. Um, the wines that go into it, Riesling um, and, and Gewurztraminers are wines that are the darlings of Psalms. Um, because mm. when you start experimenting with wines, you find these wines and you, and you begin to, you fall in love with them because of what they offer potential wise. Now, when you're drinking this wine by itself, it's okay as a cocktail wine 
just a drink by itself. But the experience you have when you're combining this with food, when you're combining this acidity with fats, with cheeses, when you're combining I can that, only that imagine. tropicality with, um, with you know, something that has a more savory quality to it. Because mm-hmm. you, when, you, when you drink in the wine and you, it, it crosses the nose and you're smelling it as you sip it in, you're getting this amazing tropicality. And then it hits the palate and it's cool and it's rich and it's acidic and it's sharp. And the, the contrast between what your nose is telling you you're going to get and what your mouth is telling you you're going to get. And then you follow that up with a bite of like Munster cheese mm. or, a, or a scallop or, or, you know, a piece of like, you know, butter uh, sauce and, and chicken. I mean, can you mushrooms? Yeah, I can totally imagine. It's just, yeah. Has and, anyone and else it, noticed I'm on a diet lately? <laughs> <laughs> Not exactly a diet. So... In <laughs> retrospect, then, uh, so going back over the wine, this is a 2014 Domaine Zindhumbrecht uh, Gewürztraminer from the Alsace Valley. This um, is an amazing wine, and it's, yeah, go get some of this juice. It's yes. good stuff. Yeah, I mean, th- my hands-down favorite. Open a bottle with a friend. Have it with some snacks. And, you know, it, it's going to change the whole experience. Try it first without food, and then try it with food. Whole different experience. Incredible Even if stuff. you are on a diet, I mean, a lifestyle change. <laughs> so uh this has been something to drink about my name is alex van amberg and with me is christy collins and uh yeah we're on instagram we're on facebook where if you're interested in hearing us if you're not hearing us on itunes you can listen to us there you can listen to us on spotify on stitcher it's s-o-m-m hyphen thing to drink about something to drink about uh yeah give us a like give us a listen tell your friends this is a lot of fun for us always.